Now, what am I good at? I can shred on the drums, and I'm a marketing whiz. Okay, Venom, reel it in. Reel it in this time, all right? Reel it in. Reel it in slow and steady. I'm Parker Dietz. I'm Tom Logan. And you're listening to Reel It In, the podcast for marketers who like other stuff too. Phil, so great to have you on the pod today. I'm super excited to dig into uh, to email marketing, a little bit of SMS for, uh, for D2C and, and e-commerce brands. I think let's just start at the top. Um, why email? It seems like, you know, you... Uh, you may have noticed like some opportunities or like problem areas in email that like kind of like led you to go all in on it, you know, start an agency that seems to be super, super focused on it, I guess. What did you see as far as like email marketing goes that, that presented like an opportunity for, for you? So I'll unpack that. I'll give like part origin story and part thesis. Perfect. So or, origin story piece, I've been marketing on the internet since 2005. Yeah. Five. So I'm like, old um but back then we didn't have facebook ads or any of the cool stuff we have now all we had was email back in the day and so at the time all, the only tool i really had in my arsenal if i wanted to market anything digitally was build a list so back in the day 05 06 07 um i was designing t-shirts that coincided coincided with the release of nike dunks which was like the shoe at the time and i would sell these t-shirts in like obscure message boards where people that were nike heads hung out and in doing so, got good at just like building a list, communicating with the list, and ultimately could forego the forums because I had built such a such a list and just sell directly via the list. So that's like like was my first sort of like exposure to it. And then as like as I got older and more experienced and and the industry matured, I've always like I've done media buying, um, I've tested other marketing channels, but like email's always been the bread and bread and butter, tried and true. It's like the oldest modality on the internet. So no matter what, like I always have that in my arsenal as like the foundational element because I know if the foundational component is there, it's so much easier to build on top of it and have other channels. Um, which leads me to the thesis, right? My thesis ultimately, Parker, is that I have yet to find one business on the internet that has a 100% conversion rate. And because no one converts at 100%, it behooves any business, e-com or otherwise, to capture leads from their paid and organic traffic that they're already getting or paying for so that they had control the method or the modality for communication. In, in which case, once you own um, the, you know, the privilege to communicate with them, email and or text message, they tend to convert five to 10 times better than traffic on any other channel because they're opted in and therefore warmer or hotter lead and so on. So I, I think like my origin story flows naturally into just like what is my thesis for this channel overall and why I think it's so important for, for all businesses to consider it. Yeah. So it seems like the real like, I don't know, major building block here is is really like effective list building. Uh, I mean, would you say that's that's accurate? Like, and, and if so, what are the ways you're like, wh wh how do you build lists differently? How do you capture information like differently than, than you've seen, you know, maybe the brands they're trying to do before you, you help them out. Like what, yeah. what kind of improvements can be made there? So I, I would say that, I would say that effective list building is like the first, like it's the catalyst for everything that comes after. If you don't capture leads, you can't email them or text message them. But uh, what a lot of people do, I think the two biggest mistakes that I see Parker, is people will either um, under index on capturing the leads and they'll just like build this whole sophisticated strategy or with campaigns and these, these intricate flows, but they don't, have enough opportunity volume from a lead standpoint to go through it because 
they miss the boat on capturing the leads. So they're focused on the wrong thing first. Um, and usually people just like, they sort of take the lead capture for granted. They don't know what their KPIs should be. And so their mindset is like any, any amount of leads is good, even if it's they're converting at 20% of what they should given what their, their traffic volume is. So I think from a, I, but a, dude, like a ton of stores, businesses overlook this, um, this like this simple component of just like capturing as many leads as possible and having a KPI for it. And really it boils down to the offer. At the end of the day, like all of the, the ways that we can capture leads are well documented online and can be just like with simple Google search or like searching on YouTube, how to capture leads for e-com or whatever, like the fun, like, like all of that stuff has been documented. I have nothing new or like novel to add. And the answer is so simple and boring, but if you just, it's really just about what offer can you position to the market that gets, that converts five to 10% of all visitors onto your list. And then just watching that five to 10% number and tweaking the offer to get more leads to opt in. That's really fundamentally all that it, I mean, it's, I'm obviously oversimplifying it, but that's really all that it takes. It's how good is the offer and are you getting five to 10% plus of all traffic to opt in? And if you are, then focus on the other stuff. Right. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it goes back to just email in general. It's like you mentioned, uh, maybe it seems like it seems boring or, or pretty standard, but in marketing, I find that to be the case. Like there's, they're tried and true methods for a reason. And I think as marketers, we all want to like do the next thing that's like outside the box or, you know, build these really sophisticated systems. But at the end of the day, like email is, is stuck around uh, for that reason is that it is, is effective. One, and one thing that I'll add to dude is like, if you think about all the, like the best athletes that we know and love, right? LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, um, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, whomever. All these athletes, like if you look at the, 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 the commonalities amongst all of them is they all master the fundamentals first and foremost. And then they do their alternative sort of like hot rod stuff that's unique to their game afterwards. But they all have the, the fundamental component of the, like the foundational component of the fundamentals. And you're right, dude, as marketers, we're like, there's always like the shiny object syndrome, like, oh, what's this new hack that's, that can, we'll be able to like cut corners. But at the end of the day, in doing so ends up hurting the upside because the fundamental, the foundational component isn't strong. And it's not sexy. That's why the best marketers are the best marketers for as long as they are is because they just do the fundamental stuff over and over and over like Kobe or Jordan or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning would. Yeah, you just keep going through the motions and it's those little tweaks, you know, over time that really compound and, and you know, make something special that's, that's super high performing. 100%. Um, and then 10 years later, you look like a genius, but you didn't. Right. <laughs> exactly. Just, you know, consistency and, uh, yeah. and, and testing. Um, so, yeah, let's let's talk more about the, I guess, like the fundamentals. So when you're working with a brand for, for the first time, assessing their email strategy, um you know, what are, what are some of the few things like you're looking at right away? Like, what are the, the areas you're trying to really dig into Like, you know, maybe like meeting with the first client. Yeah. So client when first I, if, I would, if, if I'm looking at any account, um, completely like coming in clean is how effective are they at capturing leads from the traffic they're getting? So how well is that offer that they're running capturing leads? And is that above or below KPI? That's first and foremost. And then from there, just to get that high level sense of how the account is performing from a, revenue contribution standpoint is what is their overall re top line revenue and what percent of that revenue comes from their automations and what percent of that revenue comes from their flows on like a trailing 90 day basis to get a good average in there. And then usually based on those two numbers, like, again, this, I've looked at so many accounts now, I just kind of like 
inherently know where to look. But if any, either of these, the flows or the, or the automations or the campaigns are below 20%, it just leads me to believe, again, that there's, there's opportunity for upside, broadly speaking, but then drilling down on each of those, the automations and the campaigns respectively to determine like what flows are there that should be, uh, what, when, which ones aren't there that should be, how are, how are those flows per, respectively performing overall? How are the emails within each of these flows performing overall? Cause they're all, they, should, uh, they can't all be held to the same account. From a campaign standpoint, what's the frequency? How big is the list? How are they segmenting? Um, and what, what's their sort of like cadence for messaging? Just to back into um, what have they been doing trailing 90 days and where are the opportunities or where are the holes in the system that can be plugged um, to get them some uh, revenue upside, not only in the immediate term, but again, we plug these holes and like you mentioned two, two minutes ago, it's, it's compounds day after day, month after month. And then before you know it, 12 months later, you're like, holy smokes, the count's in a much healthier place producing a much greater uh, or consistent uh, uh, revenue production. And you're like, thank God I did this a, a year ago. Yeah. And so I guess other than the, um, the conversion rate, um, you know, of leads, what are some of like, yeah. the most common holes you're seeing? Like, is it a flow that's missing? Like commonly, is it, uh, you know, not segmenting correctly? I it's think like the most um, common mistake. Yeah. Let's decouple both of those flows and campaigns because cool. they're their own sort of like environments. Um, yeah. On the flow side, I wouldn't say that the common mistake is that there's flows missing. Um, granted, that does happen even from like big businesses, um, you know, brands doing a couple mil plus a year. They even have like some of their core automations or flows that just had like aren't there. Um, but I would say more so than having a flow being missing because it's so well documented. Again, you just search Google or any of your ESPs, blogs or YouTube, you know, it tells you what to have. So it's not about what to have. It's about what's in it and when then and then what is it and what, what does it produce and what should it produce. So for like a welcome email, welcome flow, for example. Right. So this is we're ca talking about capturing new leads as a as a fish, as a effectively as possible. Then they get enrolled in this welcome flow. So what is that? What encapsulates that flow? How long is it? What is the frequency between emails and um, and how does each email produce? So it, like one thing people don't realize is like welcome flow email number four cannot cannot it is impossible for it to drive the same open rate click rate in sales as welcome email one just because it's in theory four days later right and so they can't be held to apples to apples comparison so i think the biggest thing that i the biggest mistake that i see like within flows overall is um there's not enough emails so they're too shallow and there's too much t there's too much time in between all of these emails like days so um just to take one step back Generally, what I see across businesses is once someone opts in, we have like a seven to 10 day period in which their their percentage chance, if they're going to, there's like a 90% chance they convert within this 10 day period. And if they don't buy within the 10 day period, there's only like a 5% chance they buy ever. But some of these welcome flows, there could just be one email or two emails within a 14 day period. And so we lost, we lost literally seven, eight days of valuable sending when the people are most likely to convert. And so I think it's like little psychological structural things like that, that people don't know how to set it up. They think like, oh, I can use the template that Clavio or MailChimp gives me and that's good enough. But it, it does it, it, it overlooks the frequency and um, the time between messages and how people buy and like little nuances um, that apply to their specific business. So it's, I guess it's a lot more in nuanced than, the answer is a lot more nuanced than um, like what what's one thing that everyone's missing. But generally speaking, I would say that it's that. 
Yeah, and it seems it seems like even so, like the the general like idea of of like what could be a hole is that like it's these things that could be like pretty simple, right? Like sending more emails within that ten day window uh, could make a huge impact. Like you know, you wait two extra days and you've already like decreased your opportunity to convert by by a lot. It's just like understanding. Exactly. And knowing these simple things you can do, um, some of what we were like talking about earlier is just like, yeah, these simple things that, that can make a huge impact, but it's just, you know, about knowing like how to execute on them and, and, you know, being aware well, of, of the impact. Yeah. And, and therein lies the rub, right? Like the average store owner, the average business owner, this, they're not an email expert. I only know this because I've been like doing this for so damn long. Right. And so like, I make it sound really easy in theory and practice for, you know, store owner X that's this thing is just it's like he never even considered these things more often than not. Um, but I would say that um, like the biggest takeaway is like if someone opts in, they have that's a ticking clock. There's 10 days in which the overwhelming majority of them will buy if they buy at all. Again, I'm generalizing the industry and what they sell and so forth, but let's, uh, for argument's sake, um, that and what people, the other biggest thing that people miss the most is like these emails, their sole job is to get the click. That's it. Right. Whatever happens on, once they get to the site, whether they convert or not, we will leave that to the conversion metrics of the site. But the email's sole job is to get people to click over, and that's really the only that's really the the most important metric, whether it be a campaign or any flow email, is what's the click rate. And that's a it's a it's a sliding scale based on what flow it is and what email within the flow and so on. But fundamentally, the click rate is all that matters, and we're just using email to manufacture clicks to back to the site to convert. Right, right. Um, so we mentioned um, like welcome flows. What other flows are like an absolute necessity you think to, to set up? Like if I'm store owner X um, yeah. and I gotta talk to my marketing person, make sure these flows are set up. Like what are, the, what are the key ones? So I'll preface all of this by saying it's not about like having them, having them on is better than nothing, but just having them on isn't good enough. Like there's so many businesses I see that they're just like, the opportunity cost of having it set up improperly is tremendous for them. But from on, from a flow level standpoint, the welcome flow, browse abandoned, cart abandoned, checkout abandoned. Um, and I would say like a new customer flow. So once, um, I think this one's kind of overlooked a lot too, and people kind of, they take the wrong approach in the sense that what most businesses do with the new customer flow is someone just bought something, they try and cross sell them the next thing immediately. But generally speaking, um, most people aren't going to buy the next thing, you know, four days after they bought the first thing. And so really, I think the, the opportunity within that flow is to is to like um, educate and build equity with this new customer, considering we essentially accomplish the most difficult thing there is to do on the internet, which is get someone to buy the first time. And if we know like the laws of, of how people buy on the internet, and the fact that they're much more likely to buy a second time now than any new person will buy the first time, then it's like, how do we structure the mess, the, the narrative that they receive from us after, after they just bought? So, so we build that equity. And then when we go for the cross sell or share the next campaign a week, two weeks, three weeks later, that we, we have, we have a, we've done a lot of the heavy lifting to get set them up for the next purchase as opposed to go for the kill two days after the first purchase, which is uh, usually too too aggressive right i think like logically like it sounds like it makes a ton of sense but like as, as marketers i feel like sometimes we just throw logic out the window um but like when you well, take a step money. back and look at yeah look at it at a high level it's like okay let's just be logical here this like you know put yourself in their shoes if you just bought something like are you like ready to make another purchase right away probably not you probably just received it you know in the mail um 
probably couldn't even have a chance to use it yet. So there's like a, a lot of like, you know, logic, I think, and, and marketing in general that should be uh, reapplied and, and reconsidered as opposed to just like going for the kill every time. Yeah, man. Like one thing that I'll say is like from all the businesses that I've either worked directly in their accounts, consulted with or like coached, um, it's always just like I think operating from a from from a position of like uh, empathy and situational awareness about where the customer is at that stage when they would be receiving that email, like slowing down a little bit just to take stock of where they're at um, and how you serve them in that moment goes a really long way and pays dividends over time. Most people don't pause for a second to think about it. They just build whatever comes to mind to your point. Um, and it just took one day just to slow down. It would, it would, I think it would go a long, a long way for most folks. Yeah, definitely. I want to like double click into, I guess, talking about like what's in the emails. Right. Um, so either like what you're testing in the emails mainly, um, because I think like, as you said, the, the main goal here is to get the click. Right. And, and as yep. we were kind of like, what we were talking about um, a little bit before we started recording was basically like, you know, testing creative in, in emails. Um, I think, you know, what we found at least with, with our new, uh, with our new product is that like the creative does have an impact on, on, you know, uh, on how many clicks you're getting. Um, so I guess like how important is it to like, I guess how important and how often should you be testing different iterations of, of emails? Like whether it's in, within a flow or within a campaign, like, um, how much should you be testing? Because there is the the side of like where you test too much, where you don't really learn anything. Right. Right. Um, so I'm just trying to kind of wrap my head around, like, what are, what are some of the ways you're testing with, with brands, um, to improve those, those emails? Yeah, man. So I'll decouple flows and campaigns cause they're two different right. pieces and there's different rules. <laughs> my bad. Um, no worries, man. So on the flow side of it, I want to preface all of this by saying like the most important thing for any test is like, opportunity volume and not like throughout through the lens of email and or the modality of email making sure enough people are delivered the email so that you can determine is do we have statistical significance to understand what's what are we, what's the next move and most most people because it's like they most people just want to test to test to like feel busy or like feel productive but it actually like hurts them more than it helps them because they don't have the opportunity volume. So they're really just spinning their wheels, doing more work and getting nothing for it. So it's just like wasted resources and or wasted money. So with that said, I would say generally speaking, like fundamentally what will get the click is this, the, like the structure of the email, which is kind of also coincides with the design. And then if the offer, if there is one in there, those three things. And so to your point, um, from a testing standpoint, like if, let's just say it's like a, an abandoned cart. Let's just assume there's no offer in the email, right? And it's just like a product is being positioned in some way, shape or form, but there's no discount. There's no, there's no offer for the product that, um, or anything. I would say like the, the, the structure and the design of the email is everything. Like that is what will get the click, right? So for example, one thing that I see a lot is there's um, emails where they're stacked with a ton of links inside of it, right? Could be links to disparate products, and or links to out to like social um, and all these different places. But in theory, you would think that, oh, the more links I have, the higher probability someone will click because I have something for everyone. When in reality, it's actually the, the opposite happens is because there's like, there's too many links. People don't know what to click. So they're like, their brain short circuits and they click nothing and they leave. So I would say from a structural standpoint and a testing standpoint, just being cognizant of like, what are we putting in the email and like being, being very aware of like, this is what the click rate was before. 
and this is what we're going to redo from a structure or and or design standpoint to get a higher click rate and then what is the new click rate once we've had some statistical significance of people go through or receive or receive that email but i think in terms of manufacturing the click it all comes down to the structure and the design yeah it sounds just like basic like you know testing frameworks philosophies that you yeah. apply like as if you were doing like i don't know uh uh you know paid ads or you know cvc or anything like that it's like it's you know you, yeah you need you need enough data to really pull any uh pull any conclusions out of it and i think it's relative too man like not every store has a hundred thousand person list and that's all right so it's just like it, like i think it's important for the little store for the smaller businesses not to to do some of this, but not all of it, because I think some of it is just like out of sequence for where they are, and it's just there. The upside isn't there for the for the added effort. But for either like for key f emails and key flows, for example, makes sense to always test like the welcome flow, then the first couple of emails, and um, and the abandoned cart emails. Like those are so high leverage. So really testing strategically certain emails within those flows can really move the needle for them, as opposed to building out ten of these damn things. And there's so many moving parts, and they're not experts, and they don't know what to track and they don't know what they don't know. And then they're and don't end up doing anything. It's just a graveyard of templated flows that don't produce shit. Yeah. And this is kind of random, but it popped in my head. Like what is the percentage of your revenue that you, I guess you would recommend or like you try to get your brands to like of all revenue like that's coming from email. So I think when it's not holiday, I would say 40% is like the goal. <clears throat> Some brands um, can get there. No problem. Some brands, they're, they they run so much paid and their paid media, their media buyers are so good that paid takes up a larger piece of the pie and maybe email red lines at 33% or 27. But it's not to say that email's underperforming if it red lines at 27. That's just given like the, the marketing mix of that company, that's what it contributes. But in other times when ads aren't producing as much because the CPMs go up, for example, or as I call it, or I mean holiday time also, CPMs are going up, email will will contribute more to the overall pie because the other channels can't because of those, their respective constraints at the time. So I would say like during holiday time, email can do 40 to 60%. I would never tell someone, this is what you should expect. And if your agency or someone on your team isn't getting 60, they're a bum. I think context matters and nuance matters, but generally speaking around 40% when it's not holiday and 40 to 60% when it is. Yeah. And that something you said uh, made me think of another question. So like, obviously, with like paid social um, or, you know, any other like paid channel like that, like you're, you're subject to the, the varying CPMs, um, you know, the marketplace uh, does email, like, are there any, I guess, outside factors that are like affecting email or, or maybe like diminishing its, its return um, that you're seeing or that you're, you're monitoring at least. There's not like, there's the salacious stuff that people write about, but it being in the weeds on, on it. No. Um, so what people will say is like iOS 15, for example, right? But fundamentally, all that, what that does is inflate the open rates. Right. And at the end of the day, from my, from what I've seen across hundreds of accounts thus far is like, yeah, in some accounts, open rates are inflated, but not so much so where it's, um, where it makes it impossible to, to navigate the channel and drive results. And so generally speaking, what I factor in is like anywhere from a 10, 15 to 20%, um, bump in the open rate that's artificial because of the apple stuff so subtract 10 or 15 percent from whatever the average is and it's just like a guiding metric but at the end of the day like if the clicks are coming the sales are coming i don't really care about if the open rate is what what, what the, the dashboard says it is that's inflated because apple or not at the end of the day it's just like i just know that's a metric that i can't 
trust a hundred percent, so be it. Um, I'm going to let, but the click is really my sort of like North star. Yeah. And I, we definitely like seen it on, on our end as well as like the, you read like all these articles that were coming out all at once about like, you know, how this is affecting email marketing, how it's affecting like your, your open rates. But at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of people were really just honing in on, on the click through rate to begin with. Right. I mean, the subject line like is pretty much the, the subject line and probably like, the frequency are like the main things affecting your open rate anyway. And, um, yeah, man. And I think, I, I, I just think that, I, I just think that like the, like, look, the subject line is what's going to get the open. Do you write creative copy there to stop the scroll to get it? it? Yes, it's binary. It's yes or no, right? And it's hard to do subject line tests. Like I know AB, AB testing for subject line also gets written about all the time. Like you should do this. But one thing that no one, very few people have the answer to is like, how do you formulate a, an AB test for a subject line that's repeatable that you can do over and over? Because the nature of these campaigns is always different day to day, week to week. It's always a different, right. it always encompasses something different. So it's really hard to test there. And or have something formulaic so that you know I can repeat the test, or if I find I have a control, I, I can test against it with some sort of variation. It's really hard to do that, especially for the average e-commerce owner that isn't a professional copywriter, right? And so yeah. it's just like write the best copy you can and have like use the the, the open rate as like as a guide as a guidepost. But to your point with uh, with segmentation and or frequency, I'm sorry, I think it really comes down to just like looking at the disengagement info on the list, like what's the unsubscribe percentage what's the spam complaint percentage given as it relates to like how you're segmenting the list and then take like taking stock of do i can i be more aggressive should i pull back but i think it's like taking all these things into consideration and then making a decision rather than just being like oh email doesn't work because ios 15 well facebook still works you're still running ads on facebook even though ios 14 came so it's not like a all or nothing sort of a thing it's just like the state of play changes you have to adapt and if you don't like you're someone's gonna eat your lunch yeah, it's um, it sounds like yeah, that, and that's why my email stuck around for so long with like you know probably li limited change is that like you know there's still plenty of metrics to to get you the information you need to to optimize and and drive clicks. At the end of the day, dude, I always say there's only two things we own on the internet: our domain and our list. Everything right. else can be taken away. Yeah. So again, it's not like don't do it. It's just like no know what like what the limitations are or the constraints are and factor that into whatever the strategy is don't you can ignore it altogether it's at your own peril yeah um cool i like to end on one one last question um that i typically ask and you can take this kind of in any direction you want but i guess from five years from now um what is in your mind really separating like the winners from the losers or at least like the top you know tier of 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 brands um versus like that next tier and you can put it in the scope of of email and sms if you'd like um you know you can get philosophical on it but i'm just curious what your take is on like the next five years like what's going to separate the the winners um and, and yeah, man. help them rise to the top i think that um for my exposure looking under the hood of so many brands and then working with so many the biggest sort of like achilles heel that i see for people that keeps them from transcending to the next level is like they do, they try and do too much out of sequence for where they are at that moment. And what I mean by that is, for example, um, let's say there's it's a it's a brand and they have a t 10k a month to spend on ads. And what what someone that lacks sophistication will do is try and spread that 10k across four, five, six different paid channels. And what, ultimately, what that does is not giving any one channel enough opportunity volume or oxygen from a dollar standpoint to determine 
like, is there something here for us? Is this channel for us or should we look elsewhere? And so it sets a very low ceiling on how each of those channels can perform. And then ultimately trickles down to the underlying business, underlying store, just because it's not, a, the traffic sources aren't efficient at sending them the, oper the quality opportunity volume they need to buy. So I think number, number one is just like doing things out of sequence, for example, um, and ignoring the foundational element of email and SMS. Like I'll take that to my grave all day, every day, because email has been here for what, 40, 30 plus years and people still like neglect it or like think it won't work for them. So at the end, of the, I think that's the biggest thing, doing this out of sequence, ignoring email, SMS. And the one thing I'll leave everyone with is like any business can get to 200, 250K a month, give or take, on the back of just one pay channel and email. Six channels is not, six pay channels is just not necessary to get there. You can worry about, once you have, at, let's just say you're doing a quarter mil a month, you have a lot more uh, uh, free cash flow to test other things. But when you're just spending 10K, it's like everything's constricted. There's not enough to go around. So just like take your, you know, like be methodical, be consistent. Again, as unsexy as that is to bring this all the way back to how we started this conversation. And like you just build it block brick on brick. Yeah. Well said. I think, yeah. Big thesis there is, you know, know thyself and know thyself. And, uh, know, thyself. Know, thy know, know where you're at. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Phil, thanks so much for joining us. It was, it was awesome. Um, I know this will be super valuable for our listeners. Um, for our listeners, where can they, where can they find you? We'll put links to your, your Twitter in the show notes and, and uh, into your website, but yeah, you want, want to plug anything while you got the chance? Just catch me on Twitter at, at the Phil rivers. Um, I have nothing to plug right now. Just, yeah, just plug my Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Consider it plugged. Thanks so much thanks, for buddy. coming on. I uh, hope to talk I, to you soon. I appreciate you, dude. Yep. You too. Bye.